For 40 years, they wandered through the Saudi Arabian Peninsula, hundreds of thousands of them, making camp, breaking camp, making camp, breaking camp, fighting many wars, scrabbling for food and water, until finally, mercifully, the people of God found themselves on the east bank of the Jordan River, looking west into the promised land. And it's here we find Moses, who has led them all the way through the wilderness, out of Egypt, right to the doorway of their new homeland, a homeland he would never set foot in. Now, for reasons I don't fully understand, even though they're clearly stated in the scriptures, Moses would go no further with his people. And it's here we have the book of Deuteronomy. It's a collection of Moses' last words, sermons, prophecies, reminders, and warnings that would launch God's people into their next chapter. And from this book of Deuteronomy, over the next three weeks, I'm going to pull just nine words. Three words today, two words next week, and four words on my final message with you as senior pastor. But before I go further, uh, let me just stop and be honest and let us uh, reflect on the absurdity of me somehow equating myself with the legend of Moses. I'm not trying to do that. I'm not, first of all, I'm not disappearing up into some mountain to die. I'll be back later this year, six months from now, rejoining you at Grace as a civilian and dedicated volunteer. But these nine words and the thoughts behind them that I want to share with you over the next three weeks will help me summarize what I want to leave with you. Not one thing I'm going to say over the next three weeks is new. You're not going to be blown away with something you haven't heard from me before. There's going to be very little that will be novel and nothing likely it will be awe-inspiring. You've heard it all before. It's just the core of what I've been trying to say for 29 years. And I believe that what I'm going to share from the book of Deuteronomy, from the mouth of Moses, represent the heart and soul of this great church. So, let's begin the next chapter of Grace Church in the book of Deuteronomy. Grab a Bible, find a Bible, and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 1. And uh, while you're looking that up, Deuteronomy simply means second law, and you'll see why it's called the second law in just a moment. In essence, the book of Deuteronomy, like I said before, is a collection of speeches by Moses. There's a, he, he does a review of their story, how they got there. Um, he includes their sermons where he called for faithfulness. There was a, and here's why it's called the second law. He includes a, a, um, a review of the law and includes some new laws that hadn't been introduced before. And then it wraps up with a final speech by Moses before he leaves them in the hands of Joshua. It's right at the beginning of the book that Moses gives them their literal marching orders so let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 1 and then verses 6, 7, and 8. Uh, follow along as I read. Deuteronomy 1, 1. These are the words that Moses spoke to all the people of Israel while they were in the wilderness east of the Jordan River. Now go over to verse 6. This is Moses speaking. When we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, You have stayed at this mountain long enough. It is time to break camp and move on. Go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all the neighboring regions, the Jordan Valley, the hill country, 
the western foothills, the Negev, and the coastal plain. Go to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon and all the way to the great Euphrates River. Look, now pay attention to verse 8 here. Look, I am giving all this land to you. Go in and occupy it. For it is the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to all their descendants. It's this verse 8 that I want to focus on. I'm giving you all this land. Go in and occupy it. So I'm going to uh, summarize this, but essentially what Moses was saying is that he wanted them to establish a homeland. And, and I'm going to take those words, occupy the land, and I'm, I'm going to put my own spin on it. I'm going to call it take the land. I want you to possess the land. I want you to inherit land. I want you to take the land. That's what he's saying to them. A homeland, a place, a space that was the beginning of a return to Eden. A space rid of false gods and brokenness, a place of justice, a domain of God's presence, and a beachhead for an invasion of God's rule into the rest of the world, take the land. Now, I want to tell you, this was a really big deal, this moving out and taking the land, because the idea of the people of God expanding the influence and representation of God into the world is simply a part of the entire storyline of, uh, uh, of the Bible. Let me go back to Genesis 1.28 where God said to Adam, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. In essence, take the land, fill the earth and govern it. God said to Abraham, Genesis 12, 2 and 3, I'll make you a great nation. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And then through the prophet Isaiah, God speaks. And, and what I'm about to read to you, you can find in the lobby of our 146th Street campus, there are two plaques with this verse. Isaiah 49, 6, where, where the prophet Isaiah says to the people of God, you will do more than restore the people of Israel. You will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Take the land, move out. But this idea of taking the land in the name of God is heard most clearly through the words of Jesus himself. Matthew 28, 19, as you go... Make disciples of all the nations. Acts 1.8, one of his last words to, hit, to, to his followers, you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus was saying, take the land. All right, but what does it mean? How do we take the land? What do we do? What are we supposed to say? What sort of invasion is this that is part of the storyline of the people of God? Now, what I'm about to share with you is, to me, to personally, is the most important concept I've ever taught in 42 years of ministry. When I introduced this concept in the year, I think it was 2000, it fundamentally reshaped this church. It fundamentally reshaped my life. And it is the key, to, I believe, to your own personal future. And I'm going to address that next week. I'll, I'll show you how the concepts I'm introducing today apply to you next week when we get really specific about your life 
and about your destiny. So how are we to take the land? What are we supposed to do to the uttermost parts of this planet? Again, can we look at the words of Jesus who said this, go and announce that the kingdom of heaven is near or is at hand. It is graspable. And he implied the very same thing in the most important prayer of all time where he taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Go, take the land, inaugurate the kingdom of God, and invite the world to return to Eden with us. And Jesus wasn't messing around. He gave us great power and authority to make this happen. He said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I heard and saw another transition, translation of this passage. Whatever you say yes to on earth, God will say yes to in heaven. Whatever you say no to on earth, God will say no to in heaven. He's giving us authority to take the land in the name of Jesus and to inaugurate the kingdom of God. Now, there's something inspiring about this, but admittedly, it's still a bit fuzzy. What is this kingdom of God that we're to announce and inaugurate as we take the land? Now, as I grew up, and even into my undergraduate biblical studies, actually in my graduate biblical studies, I thought and was taught that the kingdom of God was some, or the kingdom of heaven was some future reality in which Jesus would come back and inaugurate his kingdom. Other times I thought and I was taught that it's just synonymous with heaven itself. And still other times I thought and was taught that it was a, some kind of spiritual metaphor. Then in the late 1990s, when I was pastoring here at Grace in the first nine or ten years, I came across Dallas Willard's book, called The Divine Conspiracy, where I learned this. This is from Dallas Willard. The kingdom of God is God's program for human history. He went on to say, his kingdom is not something confined to the inner world of human consciousness. It always pervades and governs the whole of the physical universe. Take the land. Daryl Guter in his book, The Missional Church, said this, the kingdom of God is a social world full of peace grounded in justice. And Brian McLaren described it this way, the kingdom of God will overthrow the status quo in nearly every way. To take the land means to change everything in the name of Jesus. To take the land means to launch a revolution. To take the land means to bring all things under the rule of God. And it begins as we, in Jesus' name, heal the broken world in six very distinct ways. If we're going to inaugurate the kingdom of God, in essence, we're going to move in the world to heal the six broken places. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Tim reminded us of where this concept of the broken places came from. He and I, it was 2012, we were sitting on my, our back deck, and yes, by the way, he did a great job building the deck. Every time I go out on the deck, I think of Tim. Well, nearly every time I think of Tim. 
uh, sitting on that back deck. We were, here's what we were fussing about that day. We were trying to figure out how to get all of us to understand the concept of the kingdom of God. We knew that where the kingdom of God would, would move into the world as we took the land, so to speak, we, we knew there would be evidences of that all around. But it wasn't really landing well. And, and then all of a sudden, we kind of flipped the coin. And I remember sitting there on that back deck thinking, what if we, turn, what if we described how to take the land and introduce the kingdom of God by describing the blo- broken places we're going to, to be a part of healing? And that's where the six broken places came from. Um, I, what I find fascinating, though, right now, is I believe that the six broken places makes it very clear what we are to do. It allows people to see where they fit and what, and what they can do. Again, next week, we'll come back to this, and I'll show you, I'll have you think about how you fit into healing these broken places. But what I find most fascinating is that right now, in the middle of this pandemic, each of these six broken places have some connection with this pandemic. They point to just how horribly broken is our world right now. We need to take the land for more reasons than we ever did before with self-giving love, as Barry keeps reminding us, with self-giving love. So here's what I want to do for the rest of this message. I just want to review what it means for us to take the land by healing the six broken places. Again, you, how many times have I talked about this over the years? This is not new, but it's crucial. Let's review each broken place, starting with the, the most important to pay attention to, and that is separation. The separation human beings from the God of the universe. Romans 3.23 says, For everyone has sinned and are separated or fall short of God's glorious standard from God himself. This is the core broken place. Now I want to remind you that the vast majority of Americans are not surrendered to Jesus. About 10% of Americans would fall into the other religious categories. They're Jewish, they're uh, um, Muslims, uh, atheists. That's only about 10% of Americans. On the other end of the spectrum, 10% of Americans are truly following Jesus Christ, believing in the scriptures and, and believing in the kingdom of God and they're Christ followers. But 80% of Americans have some kind of affiliation with Jesus, but they're not really following him. They'll tell you they, they went to a Christian church, or they'll call themselves a Christian, or maybe it's become real political for them. They'll call themselves an evangelical or, or whatever, but it, they're not truly following Jesus Christ. And so we have our work cut out for us. If we're going to take the land, we must engage with others and insist, insist, that along with us, they follow Jesus. This is why I have asked you to consider who's your one? Who's the one person in your life? I'm not asking this church to, you as an individual, to go out and reach hundreds of people in the name of Jesus Christ. How about let's start with one? Who is the one person that you can invest your life in to invite them to follow follow Jesus as you follow Christ? This is the number one broken place, separation. The second broken place is isolation. And I'm not going to re-prosecute this. Tim did a phenomenal job two weeks ago unpacking what it means, what this broken place means, this loneliness, people without community or family. <coughs> and my word, it is 
obviously worse now than it's ever been because we're into forced isolation. But the good news is that God places the lonely in families. When we take the land, we invite people into this community of love with us. Seniors, orphans, kids in foster care, your neighbor, your family. Move into their lives with love and community and self-giving love. Invite them in so that they are no longer isolated. That's how we heal that broken place of isolation. Third broken place, pain. When we talk about pain, pain, physical, of course, mental, and emotional. What I find interesting about the command Jesus gave to his followers to go announce the kingdom of God. Watch what it was coupled with. Watch this. Matthew 10, 7 and 8. Go and announce that the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cure those with leprosy. And cast out demons. What's cool is in the early stages of Christianity in the first and second and third centuries, the people of God understood this was part of taking the land. And so they would would take care, even during the the worst of plagues in the Roman Empire. It was Christians who moved into the street to pick up these bodies, knowing full well that they may come down with it themselves. And the whole healthcare system worldwide started with Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, moving into the world to heal pain. But I want you to understand this is more than just healing physical pain. And by the way, one more time for all of you first responders and those who are on the front lines dealing with the COVID um, pandemic, thank you. You are moving into the world to take the land in Jesus' name. But it's not just physical pain, it's mental pain. I've told you this before, there was a study done, I think it was out of USC, Southern Cal. Um, They they compared 20-somethings today, the mental uh, state of 20-somethings today with 20-somethings in the 1950s. What they discovered, those today are the same uh, mentally uh, and in their emotional struggles as those who were institutionalized in the 1950s. Uh, we are living in tough times of anxiety and depression. If we're going to take the land, we need to move with compassion and love with, to come alongside people who are struggling emotionally. And let's not forget those who are struggling with the impact of the evil one in their lives. We should be a church that's taking the land by doing things like deliverance and helping people find their way out of spiritual warfare. Fourth, broken place, hatred. The radical elimination of racism that is what we should be about, not just racial, but also socioeconomic hatred. The picture I love in Romans chapter 7, verse 9, is um, where John saw this. He said, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. He saw a picture of what it would mean for us to take the land and eliminate this broken place of hatred. Now, Barry said this last week, and I I don't need to repeat it, but I remind you, racism has reared its ugly head in huge ways. Uh, We have seen in the past couple of weeks the way uh, Asians and people of color People of color not wearing, wanting to wear masks. And, and we see, saw what happened with uh, Ahmed Aubrey this past week. Racism is unfortunately still um, attacking us. It's awful. Uh, we must as a church 
And I'm, look, I'm going I'm to stop here for a second. When I wrote my book and I did the research on where the, the people of God are actually moving in the world to, to stand against hatred, I could not find many illustrations. I couldn't. There aren't many churches that are going out of their way to heal the broken place of hatred. Grace Church, we can do better. We must move into the world and figure out practical ways to deal with this. Take the land. I don't know if any of you remember this, but I, I stood on this stage and I got all worked up talking about racism before. And, and, and I said, and it, some people didn't like it and they walked out when I said this. I said, if you're a racist, get out. If you're a racist, get out. Uh, you know what? I think that still stands. That's not who this community is. Grace Church, take the land. Let's deal with this. Decay, the fifth broken place, restoring the physical creation to its original glory. You know, God looked over all he had made, Genesis 1.31, and he saw that it was very good. Listen to me. Global warming is an even greater disaster than this pandemic. And in the same way that we've got to be dealing with this broken place of hatred, Grace Church, we can do better to deal with the broken place of decay. Pollution, loss of trees, species extinction. And the decay of the planet is having a disproportionate impact on the poor. Take the land, Grace Church. And finally, injustice. This is us taking on those huge uh, issues of poverty and inequality. The prophet Amos said, let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. Grace Church, continue to do the good work we're doing, uh, fighting against poverty. But we must take on poverty and abortion and human trafficking and homelessness and domestic violence and misogyny. All of these are the broken place of injustice. Grace Church, take the land and heal it. There was a moment in our history very early on as a church where I think I got a picture that this church community would be the kind of church community that would move into this world to take the land in Jesus' name. It was in the early 1990s when the Berlin Wall fell and all of a sudden Russia, the Soviet Union was completely open and in, a, in a, an amazing act of God's work, uh, people in the Soviet Union said, Christians in America, come and teach our kids. I remember we were a church, I don't know, seven, 800 people at the time. And I wondered if we called our church to action, could we send people into the former Soviet Union to take the land in Jesus' name and to teach the concepts of Christ? the students there. I stood up on a Sunday morning in our old building and I cast the vision of what it would mean for us to go and I can still remember to this day what it felt like for a hundred people to step up and say I will go. Even to today Tim and Mary Byers are still part of Grace Church. Kevin Roth who's now our campus pastor at Fishers was a part of that team. I believe that that was a picture of who we would be a going, land-taking group of people who would move into the world in Jesus' name. I believe that spirit is still in us. So, let me ask you this. Who of you will go 
and heal the broken place of separation. Here's what I want you to do. I can't see you, but as I name them, if you feel God saying, I will go and heal the broken place of separation, stand. I will lead people to Jesus Christ. Stand where you are. Just stand. Even with your family, stand in, in, in your home, wherever you're listening. Who will go and welcome a lonely person into your life? Stand. Who will come along someone, along, alongside someone else in pain? Stand with me. Who will take a stand against racism? Stand wherever you are. Who will work to heal the phys this physical creation? Stand with me. And who will give your life to fighting injustice? Stand where you are. And when we return in six months, Penny and I will work side by side with you, bringing healing to the six broken places of the world. We will take the land with you in Jesus' name.